Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Well, good morning, everybody, again. It's wonderful to see everybody today and just to be here in the house of the Lord. want to welcome everybody in Crookston, just a campus, uh, one church. Maybe you don't know this, but we're just one church, but we do have a couple locations, and so... All of our family in Crookston love you guys and welcome. Pastor Joel and Ellie and all the, just all the great folk that are there. And then uh, all of our online family, all of our online family. Uh, as you see, we are kicking off, or I'm kicking off a brand new uh, Christmas season sermon series entitled Modern Day Manger. And I love, I love the Christmas story. I love the nativity story. Uh, and it's amazing that after all these years of preaching, You go back to the story and there's always something new, there's something fresh. And that's just what the Word of God does. And so uh, anyway, we're gonna be looking to this this, this topic of of, of taking the the, the old traditional story, the nativity story, and applying it to us today and how does it relate to us today. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at. I was just thinking, I know we had the the baby dedication uh, this morning uh, here previous, earlier in the service, but I was thinking, uh, of course I talk about it often, I feel, but Mary and I have three children. I was thinking about the birth of our first child. 30, 35 years ago? Okay, I should know that. But, but 35 years ago, uh, the birth of our first child, uh, and it was really a special time. I mean, they're all special, but this was the first time. Mary and I were both 24 years old. I remember getting the nursery ready. I, I remember buying, you know, getting the crib and decorating the walls. And at that time, uh, I guess there was these baby Disney character type of thing. And so we had all these things all over the nursery. And then the, the matching, all the, the, the linens of the, the crib were matching. I mean, it was just, it was, it was so fun. It was so exciting. I remember Mary coming home from a baby shower and like, wow, look at all these. Like, that's pretty cool, this, these gifts and all the things that, 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 that she received. I remember mulling over the names. Of, okay, if it's a boy, because uh, we didn't find out beforehand. So if it's a boy, this is what we're thinking. If it's a girl, this is what we're thinking. And like, how, this is a big thing, naming a child. Like, it's six with them their whole life, right? I remember like uh, in, in advance going to the hospital for these things they call Lamaze classes. Anybody been to Lamaze classes? Okay, thank you. All the guys are raising their hands. Like, yeah, it's there we learned how to breathe, right? Because we didn't know how to breathe properly. And all you younger guys, like, do they still do Lamaze? It's not called Lamaze anyway. Okay, okay. I, I don't know, but, 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 you know, they teach you how to breathe. I remember our son Stephen was born in July, and at that time there was just an unusual hot spell. So I remember going for evening walks there. I remember the delivery, I remember the birth, and I'm going to put my Lamaze into practice. And so Mary's there in contractions. And so they taught us in breathing, you say, it's not house, but you say this word called health. Health. Remember that, honey? And so I'm like, okay, Mary, follow me. I've been to training, I know how to do this. So health. Health, health, and this older nurse just says, "Excuse me, son, step aside." And so, like, I got benched on day one, right? I got benched, and so she comes up and she just says, "All right, Mary, follow me." And Mary's like, "Okay," and like the baby was born. I mean, and so anyway, I, I got benched on, on immediately. I remember getting like, like his social security number, like, wow, he, he, the government recognizes him. Uh, I remember leaving the hospital in our little 1978 Mazda GLC, putting him in the little car seat, going home and getting home and like, wow, now what? I mean, like, cause it's, 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 
he's alive. And like, now what are we going to do with him? Because there's, I don't know what to do because like, it's not like this, an item where you put it over here and then you're like, okay, let's, we'll come back to you like tonight, okay? Uh, but no, it's like, like, what are we going to do? And, and then calling family and, and all the friends and, and you know, lots of family came in. And like, whew, it kind of makes me tired thinking about all of it, actually. There's a reason that you have children when you're young, right? All grandparents say that, that that's true. Uh, but to be honest, as I was thinking about it, there's so much more today that surrounds the birth of a child than even when, like, in, in, when we had children. All the pregnancy announcements. Uh, now it's like, okay, how are we going to announce this thing on all of our social media platforms and posts? Like, how are we going to do this? Uh, and at the time, there, was, there wasn't gender reveal parties. And now they're like, okay, how are we going to have the... You know what I'm talking about. You guys are looking at me kind of funny, but like, you know what I'm talking about. Like all these different things and, and having a child is a highly involved event, right? I mean, there's a lot, lot, lot that goes into it. And then I think about having a child today and then I think about like, what was it like when Jesus was born? Wow. Like what was it like with, when, when, when he was born? It was so Simple. I mean, there's, there's the manger, there's the stable, and there's the manger. It was so incredibly simple. It was so beautiful. There's, there's no nursery. There's no, like, like, parents are running around trying to, like, repaint the walls of, of the nursery or the walls of the stable. I mean, they weren't trying to do that. There's no baby showers. There's no purchasing of car seats and baby bottles and strollers and high chairs and onesies and disposable diapers and all those different things that, that we do. There's no baby name books, at least not that I was aware of. I, I don't think Mary went through and Joseph had to go, okay, you're required to go through Lamaze classes, Okay? There was no fancy hospital. There was no beeping machines in the corner. There was no sterile birthing rooms. There was no gown doctors or nurses. I mean, nothing. There was none of those things. There, there actually was a pretty dazzling gender reveal, however, by an angel. I'll have to give him that, you know. And the angelic birth announcement to, to, to the shepherds, that was, pretty, that was pretty amazing too. So, I mean, Try to top that one, guys. But, but all there was, all there was was a shining star over a stable and a manger, a very young, inexperienced pregnant mom and a young dad. And that was it. I mean, it is so, that's it. That's all there was. As I think about that, I think, wow. And yet in such a simple setting, the greatest gift that humanity has ever received was born, Jesus. And it's so beautiful and yet so incredibly simple. As I thought about it, I was thinking about it about today, and uh, you guys know as well as I do that we live in such a complex world, don't we? We live in a world, there's never been, there's never been more opportunities no, there's never been greater possibilities than, than what we are afforded today. We have more choices, options available to us than any other generation. Go to a fast food restaurant and go walk up to the, the soda machine, right? And how many endless possibilities? I'll take the, the diet, caffeine-free, almond with a touch of cherry Coke, okay? I mean, like, like, like how do you decide on that? Uh, purchase a new pickup, and there's incredible amount of, of like engine options and trim packages. 
We don't have cable TV. But with our antenna, we get 32 channels with our antenna, okay? As well with our LG, because it's an LG TV, we have access to, I don't know, 100 plus channels just that access. And that's just with our, that's just with our like, like the internet and as well with our antenna. The technology market has exploded with choices and options. There are hordes of gadgets and gizmos all to make our life easier, right? And we need them all, so we think. In our highly mobile world, there's, where we have access to all kinds of events and happenings. I had a friend from like some years ago that said, hey, I just watched your sermon the other day. Like, oh, that's awesome, you know? Because, I mean, we can have access to anything we want, anywhere we want, as well as we have access to all information about anything we desire by just going on the internet. Our world has become smaller. Our options have become larger. And I don't know about you, but this, I, I know there's times I can, and I'm thinking maybe you can because it's become a thing, and that's that we can struggle with this thing that's called FOMO. FOMO is the fear of missing out. And so, so I, don't, I, I, I don't, how many know what I'm talking about? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on opportunities. I don't want to miss out on potential. I don't want to miss out on those things. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be the only person that's left in the dark. I, I want to have fun. I want to be included. I don't want to be the socially awkward guy that doesn't know what's going on in technology or whatever it may be. We don't want to feel like left out or, 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 or to miss out. But maybe even more than that is that we don't want our kids to miss out. Because we want our kids to have access to every available possibility that's, that can be afforded to them, right? We don't want them to grow up and say, Mom and Dad, life would have been pretty good, except like you never gave us all these opportunities because you held us back. And I, I don't, I don't, we don't want our kids to have that. And, and this thing of FOMO can be a real thing. It's a powerful thing. As I talk about the possibilities and opportunities, I'm not talking about like ungodly, like, like terrible, wicked things. I'm talking about great things. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is where this thing turns right here. That is this, that, that if, if, if we are not intentional about the choices we make, we actually, it is possible for us to become bankrupt. Bankrupt is simple this, simply this. We always think of it in terms of financial. Financial bankruptcy is this, where more money is going out than is coming in. Where, where, where we're spending way more, we're overextending our spending, and as, but, 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 but it, it, that supersedes what's coming in. That's a simple definition of a bankruptcy. And the problem is, is that with all the choices, with all these things, we can become bankrupt. And I'm not talking just financially bankrupt, but we can become bankrupt in many different areas. And so just, I'm not gonna take a lot of time, but there's five areas five areas that we can become bankrupt in if we're not careful, if we're not careful, intentional, purposeful, that we can miss the joy of simplicity and become bankrupt. Number one, financially bankrupt. We don't have the money for it, but we want it, so let's get a second job. Or we don't have the money for it, but we really want it, so let's just, let's just put it on the plastic, right? It's so easy. I mean, come on, it's, it's so easy. With all the stuff and gadgets available to us, we're tempted to live way beyond our means, as a result, what happens? It's crazy. This thing is going to offer me so much joy. My life is going to be so much better if I can just have this and own this. And if I can own this, think how great my life will be. What happens is, though, as a result, we actually become a slave to the thing that we thought we were going to be so happy with. We become a slave to it. 
I remember a young married couple I was, I was, uh, that I had known. I was, I was going to a, great, a big box store, and I went there, and, and, and the young man, the man was working, and he was working hard, and I had seen him there a lot, like, wow, you're really working hard. He goes, yeah, I, I certainly am. And then I walked up to pay for something, and, and, and his wife was working at the same big box store. It's like, wow, this, man, you guys are like, that's neat. You can work the same shift. Later that day, I went to another big box store, and as I was there, the same lady was now the cashier at another big box store. I'm like, wow, you guys, you guys really work hard. Way to go. You're working hard. To which she responded and said, I know, because we just bought two new cars and we have two payments now that we have to make. I'm like, wow, okay. Ouch. And that's, I'm not judgmental. That's, what they, that's okay with them. But I know that the thing that we long for sometimes can become our slave, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it. As a pastor, I've done a lot of different weddings, a lot of different weddings, a lot of different settings outside on horses, you know, like at the lake, in rain. I mean, I've, just, I've done so many different kind of, kind of, kind of weddings. And I think probably the most exquisite wedding was some years ago at the Arizona Biltmore that I was asked to do a wedding. And, and there, I mean, everybody, you know, all of the mater d's were there in their tuxes and the, 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 the towels hanging over their arms. And I mean, it was just beautiful. It was just insane. It was a sit-down steak dinner. Uh, in the corner was the stringed instrument ensemble that was playing Bach and Beethoven. And, and it's just, I mean, it's just the cake. Everything was just amazing. It was beautiful. And, and you know, obviously they could, they could afford that and, and God bless them, do it. But I was thinking of another couple that came to me on a Tuesday. And they said, we just have recently given our life to Jesus. We were living together. We realized that's not really what God wants us to do. So, so we, we want to get married. Could you as a pastor, could you help us get married? And we're like, absolutely. Like, what are you thinking? And they looked at themselves, uh, each other, and they said, well, what are you doing Thursday? <laughs> this is Tuesday. And I said, I'll tell you what. If you, sh if you come, get the wedding license, spend the 35 bucks at that time, I think it was, get the wedding license, bring a couple witnesses, and they both brought their parents. We walked up to the front of the church, and we had a wedding, and then they said, hey, we're all going to Perkins to celebrate, okay? <laughs> and we went to Perkins to celebrate, and can I tell you something? It was beautiful. Here's this young couple that finds Jesus and they come to this place and they like spent like $35 for the wedding. I mean, they just put on whatever clothes they had. And then we all went to Perkins afterwards and had like the, the Magnificent Seven or whatever. I don't know what it was, but, but they come to this thing and like, and it was just beautiful. I mean, in, in simplicity, there can be such beauty. And I feel bad for young brides now because there's so much pressure to like, like to, 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 to own up to what, to, to live up to what all the other friends doing. Like, ah, it's gotta be this, 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 this like, you know, fairy tale thing. And I love it. And if that's possible, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying there can be such beauty in simplicity. We can become bankrupt of time, number two. We don't have time for it all. So we crowd out important things in order to make room for urgent things. Important things crowd out, uh, the urgent things crowd out the important things. Important things are those things that, they don't have to actually be done today. We can always do them later. Uh, in fact, there was an article called The Tyranny of the Urgent. If you'd like to read it, it's a great article. But uh, like the important things like calling grandma, like making some cookies for a neighbor, 
volunteering at the homeless mission, sending a card or a letter, just letting them know we were really thinking. I mean, yeah, I'll get that tomorrow. Those are important things, but I can get that tomorrow. The urgent things are those deadlines and demands and those, those leisure time for ourselves and our to-do list and staying current with all of our social media accounts and then put Christmas in the mix with all of the gift buying and like baking and like, whoo, it's crazy. With all the endless opportunities, we can become bankrupt of time. I was reading, Mary and I were reading a book together uh, a short time ago, and I thought this was just crazy. In 1960, futurists predicted that because of all the technological advancements that we would be working way fewer hours. In fact, in 1967, a Senate subcommittee was told that by 1985... We passed out a long time ago, but most of you guys were not even born then, right? By 1985, the average American, because of all the technological advancements, would only work 22 hours a week and only 27 weeks of the year because we are so advanced, so the average person will work. In fact, they said the number one problem we will be facing is what will Americans do with all their leisure time? How many of you have that problem today? Wondering, what can I do with all my leisure time? Okay, maybe a couple, but not probably, not another, probably not a lot. We can become bankrupt of time with all these choices and because we just like, like want to hoard this stuff. Another thing we become bankrupt in is our physical bodies, our physical health. We don't get the time for needed sleep. We don't have time to exercise or get the rest our bodies need, right? And so we can live on this adrenaline. I'd like to say, like I've never, that's, I don't, that's never happened to me, but I, you know, I'd be, I'd be lying. I understand that. There's something inside of me when I'm tired that says, you need to eat. And I can struggle with that. And so I find myself just like not even thinking, like going to the refrigerator and like, and I'm like, am I hungry? I'm not hungry at all, but I'm feeling so tired. I need something to pick me up. Uh, or what happens to me, I'll go home sit on the couch, it'll be getting like, you know, 8.30 to 9 o'clock, time for people my age to go to bed, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and I'll start drift, I'll start dozing off. And Mary will say, honey, why don't you just go to bed? Like, no, no, I'm not going to go to bed. Like, I, I, I've just been working too hard today. I, I'm going to miss out on all the fun things that life has to offer, so I'm going to stay up right here. And I'll just, like, I'll keep nodding off and doing a crossword puzzle. And, and finally, I'm like, oh, I just got to get to bed. But there's something inside of me that says, no, you can't do that because you're going to miss out. And so you, you have to have something enjoyable today. And not that I, I love what I do, but, like, just something, something different, and so we, can, we can become bankrupt physically. Number four, in the busy world that we live in, we can bankrupt our relationships. We can become so busy with activities that relationships become frayed and strained. I think this, I think the biggest enemy of a couple's marriage, if you're married, I, let me tell you, this is my opinion. After, after just my, being in my role for a number of years, 36 years, I think one of the biggest enemies of a couple's marriage and especially if you have young kids, is this thing of busyness. I think it's just, I think it's busyness. Relationships to be healthy require time. That's just how it is. And, and when we're running break, breakneck speed through life and say, hey, I love you, I love you too. Let's just, you know, it, things don't thrive like that. Relationships don't thrive. Busyness is this huge enemy of our marriages, but not only, but of our families. And, and the silver lining of COVID was this. 
Okay, the silver lining of COVID is that everything shut down. And we had couples that came to us and said, you know what? This has been the best thing that's happened to us because all of our kids' activities are shut down. I mean, church was shut down. I mean, everything. And so now we said, what's happening is that we're finding time to be alone with each other. And our family has never done better during COVID because all the activities were eliminated. But now we've stepped out of that and now we're back to, in so many ways, to what life used to be. A number of years ago, uh, a number of years ago, Grand Forks Air Force Base commander, the commander of the whole base, uh, called all of us as pastors in this area to come and to, to come out to the base. He wanted to talk to us. So myself and all the pastoral peers that I have, uh, most of us just ended up going to the base and we got vouched on and we sat there uh, and, 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 and the colonel uh, uh, visited to us and he said, here's the thing, I want to talk to you pastors today because, because airplanes are made to endure a certain amount of turbulence. But if after enduring like extreme amounts of turbulence, what happens, he says, is rivet starts popping off the rings or off the wings, excuse me, and it becomes really unhealthy, obviously, detrimental. And he says, what's happening now within the Air Force families is that because, and I don't remember exactly the crisis that was going on, and lots of people, the active have been deployed. They said, what's happening right now is this, that, that, that rivets are popping in, in, in marriages and in military families because of all just the, the, the turbulence that's going on in our world today. And I'm looking, and they begin to look to say, is there any way that we would be able just to be aware of it, but then be able to help military families? And, and I thought it was an incredible, heartfelt like step for this, this colonel to like engage us as pastors and say, we just want you to be aware and we want your, your help any way that you would be able to give this because I care about these families. And I think that same thing can happen with us. That, 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 that the life we live, there's so much turbulence and in our homes there's so busy and so much activity. As a result, what happens is that rivets start popping, popping, popping. Mary, my wife's a piano teacher, many of you know that, and a number of years ago, she was sitting with her piano student, sitting on the, on the bench, about to have, and he was probably second grade, and he was at piano lessons, and after that, I think he was going to some sports practice, and then I don't remember whatever it is, and I, I just, I'll never forget this, because it just, it, it, my heart sunk when she said, he looked at me and said, I just want to go home and play with my toys, There's something so beautiful about a child just being able to be home and play with their trucks or their dolls. And we think, no, we, we, we don't want that because we, we want to afford every opportunity to them. And I'm not, I'm not against that. My mom raised six of us kids, and she always says, as kids, you need one thing that you can feel good about and excel in. It may be band, it may be dance, it may be drama, it may be sports, it may be motorcycle racing. But you need to find something that you can just, I'm going to help you find something that you can just really excel in. And now that this age, I think there's some wisdom in that, but not all of the different things. And finally, number five, we can become spiritually bankrupt in a busy world. We don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for Bible reading. We don't have time for personal reflection. Uh, church attendance gets pushed up because we just don't have time for that. We kind of put God on the back burner. Uh, and that, that's the, the fifth thing, probably many other things, but... There's so many areas we can become bankrupt in. And then what happens is that I look at the manger and it's so simple and it's so beautiful. And in this, this, this manger, I see such value. In the simplicity of the, of, of the nativity scene, I see such joy 
I see such treasure, and I wonder, I wonder how often do we forfeit that value, that joy, and that treasure that's found in simplicity because we just want more, and we don't want to miss out. And during this Christmas season, what I believe that God is calling us to is really to a place of just, of, of simplicity. To say, all these things, does it really matter? All the things we get swept up into, but just this joy of simplicity. And so, just as we wrap up today, if you feel like you're bankrupt in one of these areas, or maybe in a couple of these areas, how is that we walk in simplicity? And I think it's just one thing. I think it's just one thing. I was thinking about this. Mary and I were sat, and we've been talking about it this week as well. And I think it's just one thing. I think it, it begins to find the joy of simplicity. It begins with intentionally slowing down to hear what's God saying. Do you not know, Isaiah said? Do you not know, Isaiah 40? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He doesn't become weary or tired. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary and to those who lack might, he increases power. Though vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord, yet those who wait on the Lord, those who are intentional to wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and they will not become weary. I love that passage of scripture. Yet those who wait on the Lord, I'm gonna slow down just to wait. And their strength will be renewed like the eagles. We have to be intentional about slowing down to say, God, what are you speaking to me? It involves surrender. Surrendering everything to the Lord. Mary and I this last year have a new, a new phrase that we often say. They say it's all on the table. And that everything that we own all, all, every part of our influence, everything that we possess, it's all on the table. It's all up for discussion, except for our relationship with the Lord and our marriage, our children, obviously. But everything we just put on the table and say, let's just talk about it. Or what we're doing, is, 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 it, is it leading the life that, that, that we'd want to? Is this life, is this, is this representative of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Because he didn't come, this, I'm getting into next week now, okay, when Mary and I talk. But this isn't just the eternal life, this isn't about a destination, but it's about what God's calling us to live today and the life that we portray to other people. And he's calling us to this higher living to say, no, no, you don't have to be caught up in the rat race and the web of what, everybody, of what society is. I'm calling you to live different, to, to wait on the Lord to lay everything on the table. Trust me with your children. I know what your sons need. I know what your daughters need. I know what they need, and they need you as moms and dads. It involves contentment, but a contentment isn't something that comes easy. In fact, when Scripture talks about it, it talks about learning to be content, learning to be content. Matthew 11, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, take my yoke upon me, you, and learn from me. In other words, it's not just gonna be an easy prayer. It's not gonna be, I, I prayed God, I pray, Lord, grant me contentment. Woo, I just got contentment. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy and my burden that I give, it's light. I love that. The apostle Paul in prison, 
writes to the church in Philippi, and he says this, Philippians 4.10, it's been a great joy to me that after all this time that you've shown such interest in my welfare. I don't mean that you'd forgotten me, but up till now, you had no opportunity of expressing your concern. Nor do I mean that I've been in actual need because I have, say it with me, learned to be content. He said, I didn't get it initially. I didn't understand it, but, but I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance may be. I know how to live, verse 12, I know how to live when things are difficult. I know how to live when things are prosperous. In general, in particular, I have, again, I have learned the secret of facing either poverty or plenty. And I am ready, verse 13. We always say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the J.B. Phillips translations, he says, I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives in me. Amen. There's something so powerful about learning contentment. Intentionally slowing down, surrendering, and then learning contentment. And I think in this time, modern day manger, when I look at, again, just this world, and then I like, oh, but then look at the manger, I see such beauty and such simplicity. Uh, and for me, just say, God, Lord, would you help me? Lord, what are you calling us, Lord, how to live different? What are you calling me to how to live in Jesus' name? Something that's different. But God, because you know what I need. And so, God, I'll, I'll, I'll lay all this stuff, I'll put it on the table, God, for the sake, Lord, of honoring you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, help us to see, Father, just the beauty that's around us. I'm going to ask uh, if Ben and the band, if you guys would just come and begin even playing the song that we'll close out in today, as well as the band in Crookston just to, to come and prepare to the front as well. But can we just take a moment just to bow our heads today and to, just to close our eyes? I always like to wrap up a service with just some, 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 some uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to do a little bit of introspection within our hearts. Like, what, what's he saying? What's he saying to us today? The beauty of simplicity. What's he saying today? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just help us, oh God, to slow down for communion in relationship with you today, Lord, as we step into this Christmas season, may it be different God, than maybe what we've lived for or lived like in the past, oh God. Oh God, as we sang, how I need you, God. I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Oh Father, help us to walk in that, in the beauty of simplicity, God. Father, to enjoy, Lord, whatever the activities, whatever the, the possessions, whatever those things are, that, Father, to walk in the joy and the beauty of it, I pray in Jesus' name, oh God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.